China's Taiwan Affairs Office on Wednesday once again voiced criticism of President Tsai Ing-wen's National Day address. Spokesperson Ma Xiaoguang rejected Tsai's assertion that the ROC and the People's Republic of China should not be subordinate to each other. He further said that the two sides of the strait belong to the same China and that cross-strait relations were not state-to-state -state relations. On Wednesday, Tsai said that the views she expressed were the mainstream public opinion in Taiwan and that no amount of pressure would be able to change that. President Tsai Ing-wen's four commitments became a topic of discussion at the DPP Standing Committee on Wednesday. His statement that the ROC and the People's Republic of China should not be subordinate to each other has ruffled feathers in Beijing and in the KMT. Both say the statement implies that each side of the strait is its own state. The relations across the strait are not state-to-state -state relations. This claim that the two sides should not be subordinated to each other is a blatant touting of the false two-states theory. These four commitments are not just my own assertion, and certainly not just the assertions of the DPP. I am certain that they conform to the mainstream view of the Taiwanese people and match the present needs of the country. In the face of China's military threats, the DPP government's resolve has never wavered. I would also like to restate that we will not be cowed by pressure. President Tsai reiterated that the four commitments are mainstream public opinion in Taiwan. Besides the commitment that neither side of the strait should be subordinate to one another, there is also Taiwan's commitment to a free and democratic constitutional system, commitment to resist annexation or encroachment of Taiwan's sovereignty, and commitment that the future of Taiwan should be decided by its people. We are against Taiwan independence and hope for peaceful development in cross-strait relations. This includes our Taiwan compatriots. The compatriots on both sides of the strait share the same will. I'm certain that the majority of Taiwanese support the four commitments, and I am certain that the international community, except China, will find them acceptable. Amid China's threats, the Mainland Affairs Council released a video on the theme of peaceful cross-strait dialogue. The video advocates for sincere communication as the key to progress in relations. Amid rising cross-strait tensions, the U.S. Department of Defense reiterated on Wednesday that the U.S.'s commitment to Taiwan is rock-solid. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said China's intimidation tactics only serve to increase tensions and raise risk for miscalculations. He also called on Beijing to honor its commitment to the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. Let's hear what he said. The PRC has stepped up efforts to intimidate and pressure Taiwan and other allies and partners, including increasing their military activities uh, conducted in the vicinity of Taiwan, the East China Sea and the South China Sea, which we believe are destabilizing and only increase the risk of mis miscalculation. Our support for and defense relationship with Taiwan remains aligned against the current threat posed by the People's Republic of China, and we urge Beijing to honor its commitment to the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences as delineated in the three communiques. Kirby also said that the U.S. had long acted in accordance to its One China policy. He stressed that the U.S. policy is different from Beijing's One China principle, in that Beijing asserts sovereignty over Taiwan. Harvard University's summer Chinese language program in Beijing is relocating to Taipei amid perceived unfriendliness from China. 
Starting next year, about 60 Harvard University students will be coming to National Taiwan University for eight weeks of Chinese language classes. NTU and Harvard aren't the only ones. The Ministry of Education says that 10 other universities in Taiwan have similar partnerships for Chinese language instruction with 21 universities in the U.S. Students from Harvard University take a stroll on the ancient city streets. Every year, the university sends a group of students to China for an immersive Chinese language course. But starting next year, the Harvard Beijing Academy will be no more, as the institution is moving to Taiwan. The program will be held in cooperation with National Taiwan University and renamed Harvard Taipei Academy. About 60 students will come to Taipei for eight weeks of language courses at NTU. International students in Taiwan say learning Chinese on this side of the street is a good choice. In Taiwan, you can learn traditional characters. We learn about Confucius in Mencius. Taiwanese people are very helpful, and there are a lot of places to travel to. The food is also great. That's why I wanted to come to Taiwan. Harvard's summer program is relocating. According to a U.S. media outlet, the director of the program has stated the move was motivated by a perceived lack of friendliness from the host university in Beijing. For instance, the students in the summer program were not allowed to hold a party or sing their national anthem to celebrate U.S. Independence Day on July 4th. Countries in Europe and America are shutting down their Confucius Institutes. They can no longer accept China's dissemination of CCP ideology under the cover of Chinese language teaching. They don't want this kind of education. So Taiwan should seize this opportunity and make space for itself in the arena of international education. Since 2004, Harvard Beijing Academy has been operating in China for a total of 17 years. Now it's closing down amid changes in U.S.-China relations, presenting Taiwan a chance to fill in the gap for Chinese language teaching. Already, there are 10 universities all over Taiwan, including NTU, National Taiwan Normal University, and National Zhengzhi University, which have Chinese education cooperation programs with 21 universities in the U.S., including Harvard University. Taiwan's Chinese language programs attract more than 10,000 international students each year. Now that an additional program with Harvard University is about to start, it's only adding to Taiwan's attraction as a destination for Chinese language learning. A batch of 1.36 million more AstraZeneca vaccines landed in Taiwan on Wednesday. The CCC said they will be rolled out in the 12th round of vaccinations, which will administer second shots of AstraZeneca and Moderna and first shot of Pfizer. More than 4 million people are expected to be vaccinated in the 12th round, the largest volume for vaccination rounds so far. Due to the high number of people getting injections, administration will be split into two stages, depending on the recipient's age and on the date they received their first shot, if any. The first stage will administer vaccines between October 22nd and October 27th, and the second stage between October 28th and November 3rd. Restaurant chains in Taiwan are raising their prices amid higher material and manpower costs. Earlier this month, Sun Dongbao Steakhouse announced a price hike of 20 NT on set meals. Meanwhile, restaurant group Wow Prime has announced that menus of their chains could get 5 to 15 percent pricier in the future. 
The Ministry of Economic Affairs says it will soon announce measures to help the food and drink sector cope with an upcoming minimum wage hike. Beef steak paired with teppanyaki noodles is a specialty dish at Sundongbao Steakhouse. On October 1st, its signature set meals became 20 NT more expensive, an increase of 13.3%. Operators say the price hike is due to increased international shipping costs as well as pricier raw materials. But it's not the only steakhouse chain to raise its prices. <laughs> While Prime has also announced that starting October 25th, prices will go up by about 5% at 15 of its restaurant brands. Highlight Foods could be the next. The company says it's expecting to increase prices on its Chinese menu by 10% to 15% before the Lunar New Year. It's the same for all food. Snacks and stall items have all gone up by 5 NT. Salaries haven't gone up, but prices have. I eat out because it's convenient. Recently, international raw material prices have gone up, and staff costs keep rising. On top of that, the food and drink sector took the brunt of the impact of the pandemic. All that has put a lot of pressure on our operations. It's been getting harder and harder, so we'll just adjust prices by 5% at most. Restaurant chains are raising their prices amid higher overhead costs. Economics Minister Wang Meihua says her ministry will continue communicating with food and drink operators to come up with policies before the basic wage hike in 2022. Indeed, the food and drink sector has had quite a tough time. Of Economic Affairs will roll out measures to complement the basic wage hike. These measures, as I mentioned before, will be announced before the end of October. Restaurants may not be the only ones raising their prices. Prices for imported butter and sugar have gone up, meaning bakeries may soon have to pass on the rice in their prices as well. The price of flour and milk powder has gone up, but if we increase it too much, customers will complain. Mostly, we will just absorb the cost ourselves. Staples such as soy and corn have also gone up amid the pandemic. Soaring shipping rates and high fuel prices have had a knock-on effect on everyday items. Every year in early August, Taipei hosts a fireworks extravaganza for the Qixi Festival, also known as Taiwan's Valentine's Day. This year, the pyrotechnics show had to be postponed due to COVID and will be held this Saturday. Amid pandemic regulations, this year's display will limit entry to just 3,000 spectators. A raffle was held Tuesday for 1,500 tickets, and each winner will be allowed to bring in their other half to enjoy the show at Dadaocheng. Every year, spectacular fireworks attract people to Da Daocheng. This time around, the display will feature dynamic 3D fireworks. The whole show will light up the sky for eight minutes and end in a bright gold finale. This year, like before, we will launch around 4,320 fireworks. Spectators will be given picnic blankets to delimit their social distance space. But that doesn't mean they can have a picnic, as eating and drinking will not be permitted in the viewing area. With stricter pandemic restrictions, the event will be limited to 3,000 spectators. Traffic controls will start on Saturday morning. From 6 a.m., gates 3 and 5 along the Danshui River will be exit only for vehicles. And after 2 p.m., even pedestrians won't be allowed in. 
From 3.30 to 11.30 p.m., no vehicles will be allowed entry or exit through gates 1 to 6 along the Danshui River. And from 6 p.m. on, traffic control measures will be in place in nearby streets. Traffic will be diverted and parking will be prohibited on several thoroughfares. Outside the Riverside Park, certain parking spaces and parking lots will be closed to prevent traffic jams. Spectators are encouraged to use public transport. The closest MRT stations are Da Chaotou, Shuanglian, Zhongshan, and Beiman. On the day of the event, the person who won the ticket in the raffle will need to bring their cell phone to verify entry. Each winner can bring one other person with them. Both must enter together, as we do not want people going in and then coming back out to bring more people in. We wouldn't want attendants bringing in more people than allowed. This year, admission tickets have been given out in a raffle through the Taipei Pass mobile phone app. With more than 80,000 registrants and only 1,500 winners picked, some have complained that the 1 in 7 chance of winning a ticket was simply too low. Taiwan tennis ace Xie Shuwei has advanced to the semi-finals in the women's doubles event at the Indian Wells Masters in the U.S. But Xie's victory was not the only thing that delighted fans. In a post-game interview on the court, the 35-year-old Xinju native showed up wearing a green dinosaur hat. Let's hear the reason behind the interesting look. This is from the physio room, and they was helping us for the whole year. They working so hard, and they give me this yesterday. The girl was uh, wearing this; it was her birthday, so she requests. So I think, okay, I do it. <laughs> she held her audience wrapped during the interview and also during the quarterfinals game. She and her Belgian partner Elise Mertens fended off Canada's Leila Fernandez and the U.S.'s Coco Gauff in straight sets of 7-5 and 6-4 to secure their spot in the semifinals. The annual fashion extravaganza Taipei Fashion Week is back in action. This year, the 2022 spring-summer collections of Taiwan's top designers are being showcased. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang visited one of the shows to meet with designers and discuss their collections. Models strut down the catwalk. The collection is by designers Jerry She and Cynthia She, who got their inspiration from music, flowers, and geological formation. Rapper BCA Locke also took the stage for a special performance. At first, we mainly got inspiration through music. We take the music and its rhythms and some music loops similar to the life cycle of a flower and we would add that into the collection. Hip-hop has been making its way up and getting the public's attention. We intend to incorporate our favorite music into our fashion and outfits. Some of our clothing designs include elements of hip-hop and rock and roll, while others come across as a little more formal. I hope that rap music can have a lot more links to fashion. This is something that is very good, letting everyone know that hip-hop is not just about wearing baggy or sloppy clothes anymore. In fact, fashion is also an element of hip-hop. Designer Gao Yuanlong's fashion has found inspiration in the sounds and echoes of space. The inspiration for this design comes from the idea of an echo in outer space, or space echo. 
We have integrated music into our fabrics and taken this idea of a space echo to symbolize our hope that this post-epidemic generation will get a good reply from the cosmos. Physical and virtual runway shows featured throughout Taipei Fashion Week's 15 days of events, along with pop-up stores both online and offline until October 17th. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Chen Shenhan in Taipei. A retailer of baby products and toys in New Taipei is carrying out a massive clearance giveaway. Families who claim low-income benefits can come to the warehouse and pick out products for free. The business is suffering from falling demand due to the nation's low birth rates, as well as the devastating effects of the pandemic. But for local families and kids, Christmas has come early. The warehouse is brimming with boxes full of baby products. These strollers sell for anything from 3,000 to 30,000 NT. There are toys of all descriptions, some costing just a few hundred dollars, others worth thousands of dollars. But all these products are being given away for free to families with proof of being a low-income household. Today my haul is kids' toys, in a chair for the dining room. I think the boss is crazy. It's all to help us more disadvantaged people. This mom from Sanchong District brought her child to the warehouse in Taishan District to look at the toys. Another recipient drove here from out of New Taipei to pick things up. Some of these strollers are only a few hundred dollars. Customers are flabbergasted at the bargains, wondering if the CEO is enlightened or deranged. Folks told us it's the best thing to happen all pandemic. The first reason is the fallen birth rate. The second is the pandemic. Stores have been closing one by one, more and more ever since Lunar New Year, about a dozen already. It's untenable. I can't find stores to sell the goods. It's even gotten hard to sell them online. This retailer says he saw days go by with zero turnover thanks to the perfect storm of falling birth rates and then COVID-19. The upsurge in online retail has done little for him, and his monthly warehouse outlay is a full 600 NT. Before he cancels the lease, he wants to do something to recoup losses and help the community. Any products not taken by families will be donated en masse to orphanages. So if you have a friend in New Taipei who needs help with the kids, now is the time to ring them. The king crab is a living fossil, having been on Earth for 400 million years. But in the last decade, it's been driven to near extinction in Taiwan. This year, reports say only six adult king crabs were caught in the wild. Now, the National Museum of Marine Science and Technology is working with officials from Jingmen County on a restoration project. They hope to help the crab reproduce in captivity so they don't go extinct. A king crab crawls along the aquarium floor like a tiny living tank. Its hard shell is so tough, few would imagine how soft and vulnerable it is as a baby. These tiny creatures are the young crabs, rolling around inside their translucent eggs. A sea of eggs sits on a bed of broken shells. The yet-to-hatch babies look odd, but adorable, like mini jellyfish. <laughs> 
This is the first time I've seen a king crab so close up for sure. I think it's amazing. How can these things have been around for so long? The king crab species has been on Earth for over 400 million years. Now in Taiwan's waters, it faces extinction, which is why the National Museum of Marine Science and Technology has stepped up. Right now, we've reached the stage where we can carry out successful artificial breeding programs and increase the number of larvae. We're looking forward to raising them up a bit bigger so we can restore the population. The museum is working with Jinmen County Marine Products Research Institute on the project. They've also got local students involved. King crab is sometimes called living fossils because the species has barely changed for hundreds of millions of years. The king crab's blood is extremely sensitive to microbes and to a number of toxins. We can use it to detect toxic reactions to vaccines and other drugs. It's so useful and sensitive. Jilong was once home to a large population of king crabs, but as its ocean habitat has been destroyed, it's been driven to near extinction in Taiwan. Scientists hope their restoration efforts will help this living fossil keep on living one more generation. Zhonghua Post is carrying out trials on postal deliveries via drone. A recent trial sending a parcel from Pingdong to Liuchou Island was held a success. But could drone posts really be the future? Overseas companies such as Amazon, Google and DHL have all started delivering items via drone. Let's see if it's feasible in Taiwan. A drone is loaded with a Zhonghua Post package box. It zooms into the sky at Donggang Township, Pingdong, flying 13.3 kilometers in a straight line across the sea. In just a few minutes, it's reached its destination. The recipients unpack well wishes from across the waters before happily sending back a thank you package. The transport ministry has its eye on drone posts. Zhonghua Post is working with a private company to trial a drone delivery service for outlying islands. But another drone company is one step ahead. They successfully trialed a mountain medical supplies delivery by drone. Inside this mini refrigerator is blood serum. A drone catches the wind and carries it 2,000 meters above sea level to the top of Ali Shan. The Taiwan-made drone is powered by a battery plus hydrogen. It can fly half an hour with a load of up to 15 kilograms. It can be used in emergencies to overcome the challenges of the terrain. It can withstand near gale force winds or even higher. We've already had some initial successes, and I've asked them to continue the next stage with more practical tests, such as improving the overall functionality of the drone, the weight-bearing capacity, and the location. Officials are confident that drones will be part of the post network of the future. Perhaps good news will really be descending from the sky to your post box one day soon.